This is a Texas Poets podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Soros. Each month we interview a well-known Texas poet to learn about the writing of poetry, the poetic landscape of Texas, and a poem written by another Texas poet. Today's program features James Hoggard. James Hoggard, now retired, has been Texas Poet Laureate, President of the Texas Institute of Letters, and the Perkins Prothrow Distinguished Professor of English at Midwestern State University in Wichita Falls, Texas. Hoggard's work in multiple genres is routinely called brilliant. He is a poet, short story writer, novelist, playwright, essayist, and translator. The author of more than 25 books and seven produced plays, he has won numerous awards for his writing and no end of critical praise. His novel, Trotter Ross, was called far and away the finest novel about masculine coming of age in current American literature by Leonard Randolph, former director of the NEA Literature Program. Hoggard is the recipient of the Hart Crane and Alice Crane Williams Memorial Award for Poetry, the Texas Institute of Letters Prize for Short Fiction, the Surat Deal Fraser Award for Translation, the Stanley Walker Award for Journalism, and a National Endowment for the Arts Fellowship, among other honors. His work has been published internationally in the U.S., India, England, Canada, the Czech Republic, Cuba, and elsewhere. Hello, Jim. Hello. Jim, each month we invite our guest poet to share a poem by another Texas poet. What poem have you chosen? Two Texas Poets Rendezvous at the Bowie Public Library. And that is by... That's by Dave Oliphant, who's been a major figure in Texas letters for a long, long time. He has a substantial body of work in various genres, including jazz history. And there's an assumption of a strong voice that keeps coming back again and again in his poetry. There's also a kind of cragginess of tone that we hear again and again which gives Dave's voice a, a very memorable echo of some of the great themes of Western literature. Let's listen now as Dave Oliphant reads Two Texas Poets, Rendezvous at the Bowie Public Library. Summer, the climate dry, the county too. No relief, not a billboards, beer ads, mountain springs, on coming in from Cowtown, out where the West begins, out where the wetness ends, where it all begins, the love and hate all over again. The meeting hoggard heading here to this Hudson Bay midway between Fort and Falls, Worth and Wichita, cities that saw our two tongues born as if the colonel's knives in bayou gaming fights, so cutting to the unsuspecting couples gave them birth. Their babes turned vegetarians and worse, versifiers in a land of steak and leather. Parents so pained by the fun we would make of all their sacred cows our sandals a sacrilege still, ours the hides that tan to within an inch of our godless lives, our beards turning them in narrow graves. And as we drive slowly across the state, 
our herds of matinee memories raise clouds of half-regret. Then enter this Genesis town, a Gary Cooper showdown, but in place of six guns slung at hips, our latest manuscripts. Publications drawn out friendly-like from briefcase and manila folder. On the table, poems spread like poker hands. Leaning back, two trappers fully clothed, floating on this air-conditioned carpet, a green lake in early spring. Would-be mountain men who fountain up spray one another with metaphor and myth. Trading titles of little mags, Coyote's Journal, Granite, Noose, Prairie Schooner, Long Winter Tales of the Big One Missed, a sonnet nearly taken. The librarian's frozen looks thawing some at the sound of Frost and Yates, bubbling brooks that had they come to these sizzling western streets, the posse would have found their desperado words as hard to handle as flash floods in mid-July. At the cafe where we lunch, all around is talk of rain, sighted east of Saginaw. Though the only darkening to reach this far, a pair of strangers dare to eat here hairy and all, like blacks still out after the sun has set. And yet, because love breaks the strictest laws, we leave a generous tip, despite what reason recommends and the tide of hatred this quiet town's recalled. Well, tell us briefly, please, what intrigued you about this poem? Teasing out the basic metaphor here, two figures heading for a showdown in Bowie, Texas, but uh, not our typical Gary Cooper-type showdown. Exactly. Mentioning Each one of us was mentioning publications of our own just to make sure we didn't get uh, dismissed as being of minor interest. <laughs> and uh, we also find image after image, metaphor after metaphor in this poem, Seeing things in terms of two gun shooters of the Old West, comically, of course, sizing each other up, being laconic about that. And this brings us also to the Gary Cooper showdown. It's, you know, here I challenge you, you challenge me. And, of course, we're having a good time doing this. But what I began to realize more and more is that the undercurrent was that poetic independence that we were already a part of and already conscious of, and the range of our understanding, of course, had limits, certainly in a lot of ways, but that we also found here two poets who would become lifelong friends, and that called to mind other poets who became our friends as well, some more than others, some echoic of things we had uh, identified with in earlier years. So that basically what we're talking about is a gathering of forces of two young poets getting to meet each other and recognizing that there's an interesting set of careers ahead. 
So it's an engaging and quite humorous metaphor, uh, a showdown of young poets, um, disarmingly amusing, I would say. Yeah. But the poem has a serious aspect to it as well. Uh, there's an historical context that I think is very important. Could you talk about that? And um, maybe some of our listeners are not very familiar with the historical context here. Bowie, Texas, in the, what, early 1970s? Yeah. And the story goes way back. In fact, there was a story that said that there was a sign outside the, at the city limits point of uh, the road saying that blacks should not be found here after dark. And we, of course, found that idea offensive. And we were identifying with the blacks who have more of an interest in justice than the ugliness of these other people that that sign calls to mind. Okay, it, it, there's actually a phrase, isn't there, called sundown towns for this yes. notion that blacks need to be off the streets by sundown. Exactly. So we've got this sense of poetic rebellion and identify with that prophetic sense of uh, justice that's been such a part of, say, the Judeo-Christian tradition that we've grown up in the midst of. Let's look at the penultimate stanza. Could you talk about how it works, how it functions within the context of the poem overall, especially how it fits with what comes before? All right, you've got a pair of strangers daring to eat here, Harry and all. And what he's called to mind is an image here of us wearing beards. And, of course, beards at that time were not necessarily what you would expect young men to wear because that wasn't fashionable back then. So you've got an image of rebellion. You've got an image then of the blacks being out, defiant of that unjust demand that has been made on them by the city, by the county. And so you get that flash of a cry for justice, even though it's not stated, it's implied here, with us siding with the blacks that their job is to live their lives well. Our jobs is, is to do the same thing, but to also defend those who need help, including our own selves, I would say. Mm -hmm. I, have to, I have to say, and this is just between you and me, I didn't quite get it on a first reading. I came to the penultimate stanza, and those third and fourth lines jumped out at me, slapped me in the face. I thought, where is this coming from? What is that all about? How can we even use this poem for Texas Poets Podcast? It took me a while to um, come to terms with this poem and understand how it functions. Uh, I think there's an actual reader response approach to this poem that tries to follow a reader's experience of it on a first reading um, and uh, and looks at the, the different moments of his or her reaction to the poem because as someone who's not familiar with Bowie, Texas, you know, in the 1970s, uh, I had no idea about uh, the phenomenon of sundown towns. And when I came to that penultimate stanza, those lines just jumped out at me. I, I didn't understand what they had to do with the poem. They seemed like a uh, gratuitous reference. 
an unnecessary I- insertion of a, a racist remark um, into a poem that was rather charming uh, up to that point. Sure. So now I, now I realize that uh, the whole poem leads up to those two lines. It's all about those two lines. They, they really are, and it also ties in with the closing stanza, which is the next one, where he says, And yet because love breaks the strictest laws, we leave a generous tip. So basically we have an affirmation of this relationship that's implied between us and those our, those our brothers and sisters in other places, in other races, and it, I think you're exactly right. So what comes out here is what the poem has been leading up to at this point, that it's not simply a comic attitude of somebody mimicking of the Wild West. It's using that metaphor to underscore how powerful these points of tension are and what they end up meaning. Mm-hmm. And it's not that the... Uh, first part of the poem is irrelevant to what happens in the penultimate stanza because the closed-mindedness and the bigotry uh, that makes hippies, shall we say, uh, like you two, uncomfortable, that places you under glares, uh, can expand to include racist attitudes. So the very same closed-mindedness leads to an even more insidious extreme. Sure. But uh, Oliphant doesn't leave the poem on this uh, note of hatred. Uh, he attempts a gesture of love at the end to, to counter it. Exactly. Well, I think my initial response to this poem uh, is just an example of the hypersensitivity many of us have these days to, to anything that m- might seem provocative. And of course, as an educator, I'm always sensitive to how something might play in in a class discussion. Um, But uh, it's a teachable uh, moment, I think. Uh, Anyone who gets upset about that penultimate stanza uh, needs to come to terms with it and understand it's not the poet speaking, it's the town speaking. Uh, And poetry allows for the free inclusion of multiple perspectives, multiple voices, without tagging them all, without without attribution. Yeah, exactly. In fact, basically what you've got here is a, a living fiction in the sense that who is saying this poem? Is it Dave Oliphant or is it a metaphor for any a number of other voices? So... Uh, Jim, we also want to ask you to read one of your own short poems for us. Yeah. How about Soon After Rain? Soon after rain has stopped, a silence comes. When no bird sings and no wind stirs, the world seems briefly mute and sweet attention is everywhere. When no bird sings and no wind stirs, the world itself seems to have hushed, and sweet attention's everywhere. No circling ripples stir the pond. The world itself seems to have hushed. Traffics of sound have disappeared. No circling ripples stir the pond. The turtles staying still on rocks. Traffics of sound have disappeared. 
a sense of absence everywhere, the turtles staying still on rocks, and no fish strike at phantom flies. A sense of absence everywhere, as if nothing has the need to breathe, and no fish strike at phantom flies, and nothing has the need to speak. As if nothing has the need to breathe, the world itself seems briefly mute, and nothing has the need to speak. Soon after rain has stopped, a silence comes. I like the way you use the pantoum form with its intricate pattern of repeated lines to convey the peaceful mood after a rain shower. And I also like the way you use a series of negations to convey something affirmative, the wonderful quality of the silence after rain. Good. Does that work for you? That works for me well. Good. All right. Well, it has been such a pleasure to visit with you today, Jim Hoggard. I look forward to reading more of your work. I believe you had a new volume of poems come out last year called Soon After Rain. Is that right? That's exactly right. All right. This has been a Texas Poets podcast featuring Texas Poet Laureate James Hoggard discussing a poem by Dave Oliphant. Texas Poets Podcast is the creation of Terry Jude Miller and is produced by Ann McCready at Inspiratory.com with creative support from Texas Poet Laureate Carla K. Morton. The music for this show is performed by Ed and Mim Freita. Additional support is provided by Texas Christian University. A special thanks today to Midwestern State University for recording our guest poet from campus. Our website is TexasPoetsPodcast.com. We welcome donations. The address for contributions is on our website. I'm your host, Stephen Soros. Join us each month for a new podcast in the Texas Poets Podcast series to learn more about the poets of Texas.